Hello, and this is My Existential Crisis, the podcast where we talk about all the strange things that make us question our entire sense of self. I'm Madison Epley. I'm Haley Guffrey. And how are you doing this week? Um, I'm okay. I'm tired all the time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, always tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got, recently got tested for sleep apnea, and I haven't oh. heard anything back yet, so that's fun. Was, How do they test you for sleep apnea? You just wear, like, this thing while you sleep, and it... I don't... I don't know, man. I'm not, is it, like, that mask thing? No, it's not even a mask. It, like, goes around your chest, and it measures your breathing. Because sleep apnea oh. means that you're not getting enough air while you sleep. Yeah. So... How do you fix that? You use a machine. Like, a CPAP machine. <clears throat> I gotcha. So, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm hoping that it gets, like, I think I have it. My boyfriend thinks I have it. My old roommate thinks I have it. Everybody thinks I have it. So we'll see. Uh, Hopefully sooner rather than later if I actually do have it. Yeah, I I hope that you don't have it, but I hope that if you do, you can figure it out. Like, honestly, I kind of hope I do have it because then at least I know. Why? Because then at least I, because Madison, (laughs) you've known me for how long? I'm always tired. (laughs) I'm always, always cranky. Yeah. I'm always yeah. <laughs> like, and if this is like, and you do snore a lot while you sleep. Is that like a a symptom? Did you just say I snore a lot when I sleep? Yeah, is that not a symptom of sleep apnea? How did you know I snore a lot though? What do you mean? Are you yelling at me? How many times have I been at your house? I didn't. You've many- never said that I snore though. You've never said that tr- once. I was trying to be kind. I didn't want to, like, usually people get, like, upset if you're, like, if you tell them that they snore. No, I don't so I care. To... I just, like, you come out. Well, Haley, you, you snore hot. a lot. Okay. You snore so much and so loudly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so is that a sign of sleep apnea? Yes, it is. Okay. It is so a symptom of check. sleep apnea. Check, check, check. No, I have a lot of um, medical and just health-related issues that when looking into sleep apnea, I have a lot of, like, the underlying symptoms of it, like depression, Mm -hmm. check, Um, hypersomnia, check, Um, insomnia, also check. You sleep too much and you can't sleep? Yes. Okay, yeah, I just answered my own question. Yes. That That makes a lot of sense because you are simultaneously both sleeping all the time and... And awake. Yes. Like, it's, and then, like, just all this, like, migraines, which I've gotten for years, but recently, like, really? the past, I yeah. I didn't know that. I've had migraines since middle school, and. <gasps> I didn't know that got No, much. yeah, I remember telling, like, my teachers being, like, I have a migraine, and they were, like, can you see okay? And I was, like, yeah, and they were, like, then you don't have a migraine, and I was, like, ah, that's not it. I was, like, are you, uh, okay, so, and then I, um. Yeah, recently they've gotten so bad. Um, couple month last month, maybe, maybe last month. Yeah, I had two very close together that were so bad that I cried. Oh my god! Like I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I get them pretty bad. Um, puff puff. To the point, like, and Christian was talking to me, my boyfriend. For those of you who don't know, I'm sorry. Um, he was talking to me about how he's never, he's like, do you want to know how many times I've had a headache that was so bad I couldn't function, I couldn't, like, I wanted to just cry and do nothing, and it was like, how many? And he's like, once. 
It's happened to me one time, and I was like, this happened to me five times in the past week. Oh, no. Yeah, and I, I've, I only had a migraine once, um, and it was, I made myself super sick because I was super stressed out, and it was the worst thing I have ever experienced. Yeah, they, it was awful. Besides my double UTI kidney stones, oh that God. was the worst thing I've ever experienced. Wow, we're just... We're great. But, yeah, I mean, like, I've had them... I've wanted to go to the doctor about them for at least a couple years now, but I've never, like, actually... Like, I'd always be like, I need to start keeping track of my migraines. And, like, because when I have a migraine, I feel like I'm in this zone of, like, God, I have these all the time. Like, I need to go get checked out. But then I never keep track of them. So then it's like, I don't know how many days I go without one. And then when I get one, it's like, oh, I have these all the time. But then I actually kept track this last time. And, yeah, every, almost every day for a week straight, I had a migraine at one point or another. How did I not know this about you? It's just, like, I thought it was normal to have headaches that bad consistently. Like, I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was weird. I didn't think it was abnormal. So, I don't know. That's also a symptom of uh, sleep apnea. Um, So, there is a chance that my brain's just not getting the oxygen it needs. And I don't know, like, there's, like, I've tried and done so many different things. Like, I've become someone who barely uses, like, I used to hate taking, like, Tylenol or anything. Now, like, because of these migraines, I pop four at a time. And then, like, I popped, like, two or three, like, heavy arthritis grade, like, pain pills. And then within an hour, my migraine was back. So. Oh, my gosh. So, I just want to know like, what's wrong? I want to know what's going on. Yeah. And I hope that it's sleep apnea because then I have an answer and then at least I know what to do about it. Because if it's not, then I'm just back at square yeah. one where I'm like, I don't know what's that wrong with That makes sense. Me. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, uh, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> this week has been a series of unfortunate events for me. <laughs> Written by Lemony so, Snicket. Yeah, yes. Um, my car is officially donezo. Yeah. I thought I could get another year or two out of it. And um, to fix it, it would cost $2,500. And I put so much money into it, it's just not worth it. So I have to get a new car, which is fun. Um, um, insurance won't cover my meds mm. that I need to wean off my meds and try a different med. So that's fun. Um, more money down the drain. Um, oh, speaking of money down the drain, the government lost my money. What? Um, so, so, oh my gosh, Haley, okay. Do you remember when I got that parking, those two parking tickets yeah. for not having a permit on my car yeah. when I do have a permit on my car? Yeah. So I uh, contested those and I appealed them. Right. And uh, when you appeal them and you want, you, the only option is to go to court. So I have to go to court for these freaking tickets. Right. And... To go to court, you have to pay the original fine, the inflated fee, and then collateral for your court time. So, what was a $30, what was two $30 tickets is now totaling $250 that I had to pay in collateral to the magistrate um, just so I can go to court and contest that. They're supposed to repay that money back to me if and when I win because I have a permit on my car. Um, and they just sent me a second notice about it with higher fees. And I'm like, I literally just paid these checks. The money was taken out of my account for these. Like, so I called them today 
And she's like, well, you said the money was taken out and you sent it to the right place, right? And I'm like, yeah, it was taken out. And I did, in fact, send it to the right place and marked it right. And she's like, well, then I have to figure out where it went because it's not with your papers, your docket. And I'm like, oh, great. So there's just the government has 250 of my dollars. Um, I don't know where it went. Oh my gosh. This sounds great. So, uh, yeah. And I recently invested in vitamins. Uh, vitamins are not cheap. No. So hopefully I can avoid getting bronchitis three times a year. Um, I bought like seven different vitamins. Uh, oh shout God. out to Jen and my doctor uh, for recommending them. But now I'm like a grandma and I have like, I bought myself a pill case so I'd remember to take them. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's all I'm doing. It's been a week. That plus the election, like it's just been anxiety central whoop, whoop. over here. Whoop, whoop. That's cute. Um, all right, I'm, and that's all we'll say about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm done complaining. No, I ha- you're I fine. complained a lot. No, I'm so Madison, sorry. I don't care. Um, I do have some great news though. <gasps> Tell me news. There was a huge breakthrough this past, not this Monday, but last Monday. On Halloween, there was a huge breakthrough in the unsolved mystery world. (gasps) Very exciting breakthrough. Yeah. I haven't heard of this. What was it? All right. Strap in. July 26, 1974, in Provincetown, Massachusetts, a 12-year-old girl ended up chasing a barking dog. The dog wasn't hers, but, you know, kids are kids. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Which led her to the body of a decomposing woman in the Race Point Dunes of Provincetown. Oh, shit. Imagine being a kid and just, like, stumbling upon Oh, yeah. Could you imagine? Trauma city. It would be terrible. Oh, my gosh. Authorities believe that this woman could have been dead anywhere from 10 days to three weeks. Oh. She was approximately five foot six inches tall, weighed 145 pounds, and had an athletic build. And she also had dental work done. It was worth five to ten thousand dollars. And they refer to this as New York style dental work. I don't really okay. know what that means. Um, like I don't know if that means she got it done in New York or she, like, it's expensive like New Yorkers have expensive teeth. I don't know. Apparently, New York-style dentistry is the use of parcels and crowns and sometimes fillers to give the illusion of a completely filled-in and even smile. Okay. Well, several of her teeth were missing. Okay. Oh. So, several of them have been removed. Also... Both of her hands were removed. Oh. Yeah. This was... Was it to try to, like... Um, I'm jumping ahead, but Fine. to remove uh, identity so you can't identify the body? Correct. Oh, shit. Her... She was almost... She... Okay. I'm getting ahead of myself. But she was discovered face down on a beach blanket, and she was nearly decapitated. Some oh my god! Some have said that that was due to strangulation. Like someone was strangling her. Oh my god! So hard that she was nearly decapitated, which is what the fuck? insane to me. 
Um, How, oh my gosh. I'm sorry. Like, that is, like, a whole new level yeah. of Sorry, this uh, story is crazy. I told you to buckle up. I was not ready no. for this. I was expecting... Um, one side of her head... You had a surprise. No. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. One side... I, I promise I'll get to the good news later. And what year was this again? 1974. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're fine. One side of her head was crushed in by what was theorized to be a military-type entrenching tool. Jeez. There was no sign of a struggle, which led police to believe that she knew her murderer. Two sets of footprints led to the body, so that's the little girl. We assume, oh and then another set of footprints, I suppose, which makes no sense to me because if she's been dead from 10 days to, like, anywhere from 10 days to three weeks, where is that? You would think that that other set of footprints would have been gone by now. Yeah. Like, I don't... Unless, unless it had to have been perfect weather conditions or so preserved. Yeah. That's crazy that they lasted for that long. Yeah. Even, like, animal tracks or something with that long of a decomposition there's bound to be animal tracks or something messing it up you know yeah i don't know i don't i didn't really like dig into what the uh, weather was like this week but there were also tire tracks that were about 50 yards away from the body so police went over so many missing person cases in the area and list of approved vehicles that could drive through that area but no matches were found the sand and the beach blanket were not disturbed, which suggested that the body was moved to that area. Mm-hmm. And then it just, they were just trying to identify this, this woman. She had her first facial reconstruction done in, with clay in 1979. So that's five years after she was discovered. Wow. Her remains were exhumed in 1980 for examination in 2000. And also, I believe, 2010 they were exhumed again. So that's three times her remains were exhumed with no leaves, no new information. Wow. How was she, ba- do you know if she was buried as just a Jane Doe? She was. She was also, she oh was known gosh. as the Lady so of the sad. Dunes. Um, oh my gosh. Her other, other people referred to her as the Provincetown Jane Doe. She was buried in 1974 after the case went cold. And in 2014, they actually had to raise funds for a new casket um, because the original one was made of thin metal and it was rusted and deteriorated. Oh, wow. Which is sad. Yeah. Lots of leads came about, as often happens with unsolved cases, like leads that go yeah. nowhere. People saying that they saw their father strangle a woman in Massachusetts around the time of the murder. The people coming forward saying, oh, this reconstruction looks like my family member and it's not. Wait, I'm sorry. Did you... <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you say people reported their thought they, that they saw their father strangling a woman? Oh yeah. What the hell? Okay, I'm sorry. I thought that's what you said, and it took me a minute to yeah, process that. Just like and how, like just casually, like, oh yeah, I guess I did see my dad strangling that woman. Yeah, a, a couple of years ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it might have been him. I don't know. Yeah. Mm, you know. What the hell? Fathers. <laughs> cut that my dad listens to this podcast um <laughs> what's up stanley tucci yeah just lots of theories that led nowhere my one of my favorite theories though you're gonna love this in august of 2015 there was a theory that went around that the lady of the dunes may have been an extra in jaws oh yeah it because is. of like the beach blanket no it listen okay 
It so Jaws had been shot on Martha's Vineyard, which is about a hundred miles south of Provincetown, between okay. May and October in nineteen seventy four. Okay. When the woman was found, she was found with a blue bandana and a pair of Wrangler jeans. Okay. There is a woman in the background of <gasps> Jaws with a blue bandana and jeans. Oh my gosh. And she looked vaguely familiar to the, specifically the 2010 reconstruction of this woman. Mm-hmm. And Jaws was a, I don't know if you know this, but Jaws was a fairly low-budget film. It only had a budget of $9 million. So a lot of the extras in the film were just people. Just people walking around and doing their thing. So Joe Hill, the son of author Stephen King, actually is the one who posited this theory. And he took it to police attention. And the lead investigator noted interest in the case, but most people just thought it was pretty out there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's also a theory that one of the suspects was a man named Whitey Bulger. He was a prolific mobster. Okay. He was known for removing the teeth of his victims, which is what happened here with Our Lady yeah. of the Dunes. And link to Bulger had never been proved, and he was murdered in prison in 2018. Jeez, yeah. And there was a man named Haddon Clark who confessed to the murder. However, Clark suffered from paranoid schizophrenia. Mm. And he also confessed to many other crimes, which there was no mm. backup on. Like, gotcha. But as I said before, there is some good news. In 2022, skeletal remains from the Lady of the Dunes were sent to be profiled. A DNA profile was generated. That was used Mm -hmm. to identify distant relatives and ultimately identified the victim. (gasps) Ruth Marie Terry, a woman from Tennessee who had connections in Massachusetts. She was finally identified after 48 years, three months, and five days. Wow. So after almost 50 years, the Lady of the Dunes got back her name, Ruth Marie Terry. Wow. There are... Did she have any... Sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, ask your question. I was going to ask if she had any family members left. She was 37 when she passed away, when okay. she was murdered. She was 37. Um, I do not know if she had any living relatives. That was mm-hmm. not made, that information was not made available as far as I know. Gotcha. On November 2nd, 2022, the Massachusetts State Police announced they were seeking information on Terry's deceased husband, Guy Rockwell Muldivan. He died in 2002, but this is not the only murder that he is a person of interest in. Um, oh. He is connected to, God, uh, like four? Um, he was a what suspect. The- Hell? Yeah. He was a suspect in the 1960 murders of his second wife and her daughter. He was faced with larceny charges. He is also a suspect in the 1950 murder of Henry Baird and the disappearance of his 17-year-old girlfriend, Barbara Jo Kelly. Wow. Yeah. So, he is already, like, a... Not, not a great guy. Yeah. But, unfortunately, he did pass away in March of 2002. So, even if he is the killer, there's really, there's no, like... No way to confirm that. No. And there's no real 
I don't want to say there's no real justice to it, but it's definitely sad. People have been lobbying for Ruth to be identified for so long. I just think it's so, so wonderful that she finally was. Genealogy was what ultimately was used to identify her, which is the same process that was used to identify um, yes i was just gonna say so genealogy is really interesting to me um it's really awesome that like it's so cool that we've come so far yeah we're able to do this now like have you done like 23 and me or anything no i haven't i want to do like ancestry.com or something but there's it costs money yeah Mine was a present, and that's why I got it. That Um, sounds fair. Shout out to my boyfriend, David, for doing that. But, like, for all those people who are like, oh, but, like, they can track you, or they can get your information, or, like, uh, personally, the benefits far outweigh the negatives. Like, for me, it's good to know, I like knowing the, the DNA aspects of, like, what could potentially health issues in the future right. but also like for this kind of thing i've got nothing to hide right if my family member did something i'm sorry that's not that's not on me that's people on them. can track me anyway yeah exactly it's a people simple can track google, you search. Anyway. google shirt oh my god <laughs> um if madison makes the cuts i want her to make i've had so much trouble talking <laughs> and you guys don't know until this moment <laughs> I probably sound terrible. I probably sound like I'm just like, and then this happened, and then this happened. I just, it's okay. Everything's fine. You're doing great. You're doing great, Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. But yeah, Ruth Marie Terry. I was so, I was so excited when I saw this. Like, when did you hear this? Um, I've known about Lady of the Dunes for about two years now. Um, I learned about her from a BuzzFeed Unsolved episode. Love those. Shout out to them. Um, Of course, when the episode aired, she was not identified. And then I heard that she had been identified through TikTok. So shout out TikTok. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, it's her. Because she is one of, when I tell you in the um, Unsolved Mystery world, this is such a prolific case of unidentified death it's it's huge so yeah very exciting very exciting day for the people who have been seeking justice for not just the lady of the dunes like the people who didn't know her of course like there was a whole twitter account dedicated to wanting to know who she was wanting to have her identified so like people who just cared about her as the lady of the dunes and sympathized with her that way but now the closure for her family yeah whoever they whoever wherever they may be closure for just i just think it's it's a it's a great it's a great thing it's a great step forward for the for the community and another great tale of uh investigative genealogy i love that thank you guff puff that was so cool very glad you didn't know anything about it. No, I had no idea about any of that. I, I you know, when you said you had a surprise, I had seen something recently about um, a different case having like um, new things being found out about it, and I, I literally had no idea where you were going with this. I did not think it was a true crime thing. That's for sure. I don't know what I thought it was, but you said you had a surprise, and I was like, ooh. 
or and then it was just not but this is this is good this is awesome Right. Are you ready for uh for my story? Yes, your five and a half page notes. <laughs> four no, and this half. one's sorry. This one's only yeah, this is only four and a half, Haley. Um excuse so you. One um, of us was uh was uh did well in high school. Take a yeah. guess as to who that was. Take a guess. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. I, I love you guess stuff. So I, we're going a little little different, and we're also going back in time a little bit. Yeah, have you ever heard of the medieval dancing plague? Yes. Okay, do you know much about it? I don't know too much about it. Um, what I do know, I find hysterical. <laughs> okay. I don't really know too, too much, though. Well, let me, I'm going to give you all of the information about it. Uh, I went into a deep dive, again, four and a half pages of notes. Let's get it. For nearly 1,000 years, 1,000 years, that is half of our time. Wait, no, that's not right. Hold on. For what? <laughs> what are you, wait, what? Okay, sorry. Half <laughs> of our time? How no. long have you been alive? <laughs> no, not our time. For half of the time that we have been recording time. We're in 2022. Right. Yes. So for half of that, for half of that, okay. What would that be? What would you call that? I don't know, man. Not our time. Okay. I don't so know. for half of for half of the time that we've been recording time, for a thousand years, from the yeah, seventh just century, to a thousand years. Okay. 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 Let's okay. Go. For nearly one thousand years, from the seventh century to the seventeenth century. Choreomania would inflict thousands of people for reasons still unknown to this day. Both adults and children would be afflicted with this mania, causing them to dance seemingly unwillingly until they collapsed from exhaustion, either from their sustained injuries or, you know, they just collapsed and died because of this. Before I go too far into this, um, something I did not do last week that I really want to do this week is just name a couple of my sources. Um, Britannica, the Smithsonian, the Lancet, the Collector, the Journal of the History of Medicine and Allied Sciences, and Historical Blindness, which is a podcast and a website, and they had some really awesome data, so I don't know them, but they did a great job, so maybe go check them out. Okay, so typically these outbreaks would occur in times of hardship and extreme stress, as one would imagine medieval living is, just generally stressful. Women are typically the ones historically pictured as being afflicted by this mania, but men and children are also commonly just as afflicted. Regardless of whether the event seems spontaneous or planned, it always seemed to be unwilling, either through a state of unconsciousness or an inability to control oneself. Victims would scream in agony, beg for help, and ask for mercy, and people in this state would also suffer from chest pains, spasms, hallucinations, hyperventilation, epileptic fits, and so on. The Dancing Plague was also known as Dancing Mania, St. John's Dance, St. Vitus Dance, and even the Forgotten Plague, as this was also around the time when the Black Death was rampant. 
And these outbreaks were very shockingly well documented for medieval times. And a book was even written in 1888 called The Black Death and the Dancing Mania. Scholars have debated on theories why this happened for decades, um, centuries even, but there is no agreement or firm proof of which may be correct. And even during these outbreaks, remedies varied and were really just all over the place. Nobody had any idea why the hell this was happening. So I'm just going to dive right into the first recorded outbreak, which was the 11th century in the year 1021, which just for a second, like, I it's so hard for me to even imagine 1021. That was almost a thousand years ago. That, sorry, that was more than a thousand years ago shit yeah i i cannot imagine that that blows my mind gross (laughs) okay so the first recorded outbreak was in 1021 in a german town called kolbeek uh there's a lot of german pronunciation i looked them up but just bear with me where 18 peasants began to sing and dance wildly around a church which was trying to hold a Christmas Eve mass. The group sang carols, they chanted, they held hands as they danced around the church in what the priest called a ring dance of sin. That's my kind of dance. Yeah, I know, right? Like, so scandalous. Scandal. After the group just straight up ignored the priest because he wanted them to stop because they were disrupting his service. The priest cursed them to continue dancing for a whole year, and legend says they did just that, dancing around, taking no food or water until the following Christmas Eve, where they collapsed from exhaustion and died in their sleep. Those who survived were said to have frequent painful spasms for years. And while I am very confident that this story has been embellished over the last thousand years, um, this was not the first time that this kind of thing had been recorded, and it definitely was not the last. Fast forward to the 13th century, more outbreaks occurred. In 1237, a large group of children danced 12 miles from Erfurt to Arnstadt, Germany, until they collapsed from exhaustion. And like the other reports, many children died from the exhaustion, and for those who survived, they complained of limb trembling and other ailments, which one source quoted as lethargy, which, like, if I'm seven years old and I just leapt and pranced and danced 12 miles, I think I should be allowed to be a little lethargic. Like, that seems like a pretty common... Yeah, I walk one mile and I'm tired. Yeah, right, right? Like, you're not training for a marathon. You're just, like, straight away just, you know, 12 miles. I think they're deserving of being a little lethargic, but whatever. Um, This story is actually eerily similar to the Pied Piper, and it's thought to be the story's origin, some sources claim. Which, do you, okay, do you know the story of the Pied Piper? Yes. Isn't it like he played a song and everyone danced forever? No. Um, Close, but no. So whenever I was little, and I mean little, little, I had an illustrated copy of the Pied Piper. And this is by no means a children's book. It's like one of those freaky German folk tales that like, it's just, it's like, uh, what's the fucking, the, the Christmas beast. 
Krampus? Krampus. It's like Krampus or Belschnickel or something. Belschnickel. Bell. <laughs> what? Belschnickel. No. <laughs> Oh my Belschnickel? gosh. Belschnickel. Belschnickel is like the German Santa Claus and um he would dub children as being what would he it was like impish or admir impish or admirable. And for those children he found admirable, he would give them like little tchotchkes or trinkets, maybe some pebbles or some rocks. Pebbles. For the, yeah, <laughs> pebbles. And for the children who were bad, he would like whip them. Or, like, cool. scare them or punish them, beat yes. them. Fuck Belschnickel. Yeah. It would go as far as, like, ch- like fam- you know how family members dress up as Santa? Yeah. Family members would dress up as Belschnickel and, like, parents would be like, oh, Belschnickel's coming in. And then you just, like, see your uncle dressed up as Belschnickel peering in the window. And you're just, like, trembling in fear, like, he's going to beat the shit out of me. Like, I, I've been good, Mom. I've been good, I promise. Belschnickel. I prefer yeah. Krampus, who just straights up yeah. <laughs> Like, he's just like, I'm gonna eat you. And then he yeah. does. I appreciate yeah. that. I don't want to well, be anyways, so like, I was obsessed with the Pied Piper as a kid. Like, I'm talking five years old. Like, Jesus. I read this book when I had my Dora the Explorer... Explorer? Sorry. Dora the Explorer <laughs> alarm clock that would say, Dora, whenever it was time to wake up. Yeah. Um... And, like, I was, I would think about the Pied Piper more than any five-year-old, any child, for that matter, should. I was, like, fixated on it. It was, I was terrified of it, but I loved it. And I think that's where, like, That's your ADHD. Yeah, you know what? That's correct. I am not officially diagnosed, but we're, uh, that's, yeah. You know, okay, honestly, Haley, this is making a lot more sense. (laughs) Like, this is making so much sense. Doesn't it? I, I, I was, like, and I think this is kind of where my... Uh, my love of like the horror stuff came from so with the Pied Piper um, the people in the town they had a rat infestation (laughs) cough cough plague and they hired this Pied Piper to come and get rid of the rats so the Pied Piper played his little song and led the rats out of town and they drowned in the river so the Pied Piper came back and he's like yo pay me my money and the townspeople were like we're not gonna pay you thanks for what you did though and so uh the pie paper left and as punishment he came back and he started playing his song on his little pipe because he was a piper and all of the children in the town followed him out and so i looked this up last night and in the book that i read the children all drowned in the river um and were never seen again right. Yeah. Apparently the drowning thing was just embellishment because it just the story just goes that they disappeared. So like my book that I read was even more fucked up where they all just drowned. I mean, listen, pay the man. Yeah, I know, right? But I was. If they like, just so paid da- him, was it worth your children, Vanessa? Vanessa? Was it worth your children, Gertrude? Gertie seems like the the person Little... who would withhold the money. Little Tommy's dead now because you wanted to pinch your pennies. John in the fucking river, just... You bitch. (laughs) 
All right. Another instance of the dancing mania was in 1278, where around 200 people began dancing vivaciously over a bridge in the River Meuse in France until it buckled and collapsed, which sent many of them to their death, either by drowning or being crushed by the bridge. And for those few who survived, they were treated at a chapel dedicated to St. Vitus. And it's called St. Vitus Dance because a lot of the occurrences of dancing mania had occurred near the feast of St. Vitus or around a place that was dedicated to him, which might just be coincidence because I'm sure there was a lot of things named after this saint, just like there are like 10 million St. Andrews or St. Jude's or whatever nowadays. But in the 14th century, on June 24th, 1374, one of the biggest reported outbreaks occurred in Aachen, Germany, and spread to areas in France, Austria, the Netherlands, Luxembourg, and Italy. During this time, thousands of people danced in agony for days and even weeks, screaming in pain, hallucinating wildly, and begging for priests to save their souls because they, they thought they were dying. One source claimed that this particular instance was thought to be an epidemic of mass demonic possession. So priests would just try to control this crowd and pray over the people who were just writhing around and like throw holy water at them, uh, just try to exercise them. In the 15th century, more outbreaks occurred in 1418 in Strasbourg, where people fasted for days. Another outbreak in 1428 in Schaffhausen. A monk danced himself to death at the Benedictine Monastery, and a group of women in Zurich were reported to have gone into a quote-unquote dancing frenzy. In 1463, a large group of people began to hallucinate and dance vigorously near Trier, some not stopping for six months. And in this particular epidemic, many of these people had danced with such vivacity that they broke their own ribs and other bones in their body. Can you imagine dancing that hard? Haven't you? <laughs> yeah. No. Like, you've never danced so hard you broke a rib? <laughs> no, I have not. Have you? I don't know. Have I? <laughs> these people have. It was also reported that in this instance, the people who collapsed from exhaustion began to dance immediately after waking up, claiming to feel a need to dance to combat a deep physical pain, which, like, I feel that deep physical pain. Just dance it out. <laughs> yeah, I, just yeah. dance it out, you know? I when get in it. doubt, dance it out, you know? I feel that. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right? In the 16th century... In this century in Strasbourg, one of the largest and most famous cases of the dancing plague occurred. In July of 1518, a woman by the name of Frau Trophia began dancing uncontrollably in the streets without prompting. No music, no nothing. She just started dancing. She continued to dance alone until she collapsed from exhaustion. People in the town just walked past her, thought she was banana pants, as one would. After waking up, she was, you know, started right back up, began to dance immediately, seemingly unable to stop. She continued alone for days. Again, people just passing her by thinking, like, who the fuck is this woman? Just like, who is she? She's just dancing around. But within a week, she was joined by over 30 more people. Despite exhaustion, despite any other injury, such as bloody and bruised feet, broken bones, hunger and thirst, they just kept on going. And more and more people began to gather and join in this mania, which alarmed city officials due to the high number of people who were involved. 
There's probably a, a couple hundred at this point. Trophia was reported to be taken away by officials, just writhing as she was strapped down and wheeled away, but that didn't stop more people from joining in. Still, more people gathered until there were hundreds, and after much debate, city officials and religious leaders decided that the best way to combat this was to encourage it. And so, as most things that happen with uh, city officials and religious leaders, this backfired immensely. Onlookers were paid to join in and dance along with the sufferers. Halls were arranged for dancers to gather. Musicians were even contracted to fill the area with music to encourage it further. And like I said, much to no one's surprise, this didn't work at all and backfired immediately. Soon, more and more people joined, totaling over 400 people. And those who were paid to begin with began to join in and succumb to the dancing mania. And then this was such an immense failure, city officials made a full 180 and banned all music in the city. There were some exceptions made for weddings and parties, but even then it was only stringed instruments, which like lame. But over this period of time, over the span of, I think it was June it started? Sorry, July it started through September, early September when it ended, over a hundred people died during this outbreak. The people who weren't stopping those dancers were tied down onto wagons, still writhing and moving about this while they were tied down, and were taken 25 miles up to a temple for St. Vitus on a mountain where they were prayed over. In the 17th century, the dancing plague seemed to have died out by then. A professor of medicine, Gregor Horst, wrote, quote, Several women who annually visit the chapel of St. Vitus in Dreifelhausen dance madly all day and night until they collapse in ecstasy. In this way, they come to themselves again and feel a little or nothing until the next May when they are again forced around St. Vitus Day to betake themselves to that place. One of these women is said to have danced every year for the past 20 years, another for a full 32. Yes, and along with the outbreaks often being around St. Vitus locations, St. Vitus was also said to have been the saint of dancing, I think, movement? I think I covered that later. But it was dancing and some other kind of, like, movement type of thing. That's an, that's so funny that most of this is going on around the, uh... Oh, Jesus, Haley. The... The saint. Not a lord, Yeah. The Lord! A Lord! Uh, I'm tired. <laughs> the saint of movement. That's all. That's just The patron saint of dancers and entertainers in general. Mm. Oh, funny. also the patron saint of epilepsy. And people with um, similar... What if occurrence. this was... That, that's no, what it was. No, I was going to say, what if this was just a town full of epileptic people? Okay, well, I'm going to get into that okay. because, okay. 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 <laughs> okay, so why did this happen? Theories. In the past, demonic possession and overheated blood were thought to be the case. So if people thought their blood was overheating, they thought that the cure for that would just be to like, or the physicians thought, ah, oh, that makes sense. They're just overheated. So they're just going to dance it off to cool themselves, which is like not at all that. Like you had just mentioned, it is thought that some of these people had epilepsy or other similar dis- 
diseases. But the thing is, how could all of these people just have epilepsy? That doesn't make sense. It might make sense for some of the cases, but not all of the cases. So that is one theory. Another modern theory is that a fungal disease known as ergot, which is caused from eating bread made from rye flour with this fungus, is known to give convulsions, hallucinations, and tremors. Often people would complain of abdominal pain after their fits, and these types of epidemics were common if the flour was contaminated. However, this does not explain how victims could dance for days on end and not everyone would have reacted the same extreme way to fungus because these convulsions, hallucinations, and tremors, these were more of like the extreme reactions and you really have to be eating a lot of bread or just have like a severe reaction to the fungus to get this. So that didn't explain that. Another thing that doesn't make sense about this theory is the outbreaks didn't always occur near areas where rye was grown and eaten, and it also didn't line up time-wise with when the fungus would have grown during the wet season. Mass hysteria is another popular theory, and it might be the one that is more well generally accepted, because these fits seem to happen in times of extreme hardship, like I had mentioned. You know... Instead of being physiological, the extreme stress of living in times of plague, other diseases like syphilis were popping up, famine, hard labor, strict religious customs, all like just living in medieval times. Could you imagine? Because I sure as hell could not. I'd be depressed as hell. So, you know, these people had a rough time and it just became too much for them. And either mental illness or escapism as a coping mechanism could be the cause. Right. Even still, why dancing? Why, of all of the things you could do if you are trying to escape, why dancing? That's what gets scholars. Like, instead of screaming, sobbing, you know, rioting, you could riot, you know? You could go to the city officials and just freaking riot to make things better for yourselves. But, like, all of these things that you could do and, like, dancing just feels so random and out there. Dancing is so much easier, though, than organizing a protest. You know, it is. It is, and it is, like, a nice release, I guess. But, like, for days on end. (laughs) What did you say? Throw down them moves. Throw down them moves. Yeah. I thought you were going to say the the hoedown throwdown. That, too. Pop it, lock it, polka dot it. Country fi and hip-hop it. Put your hawk in the sky. Move side to side. Jump to the left. Stick it. Glide. Hell yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Well, one other theory is it was a religious ritual. Since in many examples, the people were not from the areas where the outbreak had happened. People were thought to have just joined in these organized rituals and it just kind of got out of hand. And this would also give an excuse to ignore the ideas of quote unquote impurity by the church and just do what they wanted because like dancing much like so many other things in these times was considered to be impure right however due to the sheer number of mass fatalities this doesn't answer quite everything more characteristics of these outbreaks american sociologist robert bartholomew noted that despite many outbreaks happening with foreigners many of these were local and were very very rowdy He noted that people in this state would often make quote-unquote obscene gestures, be naked, have sex publicly, acted like animals grunting and braying and like jumping around, hopping around. 
um, there was a mixture of laughing, crying, screaming, singing, shouting in these spins. And honestly, the laughter, crying, screaming, singing, shouting, that sounds like an average, like, night for me. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So That's like, about right. That's, I yeah. get that. I, I agree. Yeah, right? And then people in the state were even known to be violent for those who didn't join in as well. In a book, A History of Madness in the 16th Century Germany, the author notes that people in this trance, quote, could not perceive the color red at all, which is very bizarre. And Bartholomew noted that, quote, it was said that the dancers could not stand the color red, often becoming violent upon seeing it. So the people who were in these states, a lot of times it was reported that they just did not know what red was or they hated the color red. Bartholomew also reported that the dancers hated pointed shoes and liked having their feet hit, which, I mean, if you're into that... I love having my feet hit. I'm not judging, you know. Tarantism was a similar occurrence in Italy where people were said to have been poisoned by a tarantula or scorpion. Hmm. And the treatment for this tarantula or scorpion bite was to dance to particular music in order to separate the venom from the blood. How they deduced this, I have no idea. But this went on for centuries. And I mean centuries. Like, the last confirmed tarantism was recorded in 1959. Like, basically modern times. It only happened in the summer, and very much like the dancing plague, people would often spontaneously dance to get rid of the venom that they thought was in their blood if Mm. they were bitten, and others would often join in in case their old bites were reactivated somehow by the music. It left people acting up by jumping into the ocean, whipping each other with vines, drinking heavily, and pretending to sword fight, which, I mean, like, that doesn't sound like too terrible of a time. Like, just, like, if you're playfully, like, whipping each other with vines and just, like, having a party, jumping in the ocean and pretending to sword fight, that sounds like a great time to me. Yeah, I mean, it makes it makes sense to me. Like, I get it. Yeah, right? And similar to dancing mania, people did not like the color black, and women were thought to be the most affected. It was only confined to Italy, however, and like I said, it lasted until 1959. And this phenomenon was revealed to be mass panic with many sufferers revealing that they had not been bitten at all. And it just kind of allowed people to just behave out of turn for the time, which, again, I totally understand that. Like, if you just want to pretend a sword fight and just can get away with it. Why wouldn't you do it? Drink. I know, right? I just want to dance, Grandpa. Don't make me dance. Don't let me sing. Anywho. One last thing I will leave you with is... In The Black Death and Dancing Mania, Hector writes, quote, So early as the year 1374, assemblages of men and women were seen united by one common delusion. They formed circles, hand in hand, and appearing to have lost all control over their senses, continued dancing regardless of the bystanders, for hours together in wild delirium, until at length they fell to the ground in a state of exhaustion. They then complained of extreme oppression, which, preach, and groaned as if in the agonies of death until they were swathed in cloths bound tightly round their waist, upon which they again recovered and remained free from complaint until the next attack. And that is the dancing mania. It's so weird how humans experience things. Yeah, and I can only imagine how different it would be a thousand years ago. Right. I think we should, you know what, I'm gonna say it. Let's bring it back. Let's bring Uh, back. You know what? 
I can the get behind mania. that. Let's really throw them. I agree. Who's them? Don't ask me. I don't know. The patriarchy. Sure. The the oppressors and the, the people. Let's dance. Dance. Don't make me dance. Don't make me dance. Don't make me sing. Yeah. Personally, I think I think it's more so me like uh, a shared. Probably. Media. I mean, it's just so. It's such a weird thing. I think a lot of these occurrences, while they may be grouped into one group, I don't think that they should be. I am sure a mixture of all of these is correct. I am sure some people really did convulse from the, not Epcot, that's in Disney. Epcot? Epcot. <laughs> Who do you think's the prettiest girl in school? Epcot, Disney. The what? Epcot ball. What? Well, I like Melanie, not just because she's pretty, but Epcot. You've never seen that video, have you? No, what is that? Oh my gosh, I'll have to send it to you. What is that? It's a vine. I didn't, I was not, I didn't, I wasn't hip with vine. You're not hip with anything, guys. I, I, I vine. didn't, I didn't You don't want... have TikTok. <sighs> you don't have anything. I know, that if I get a TikTok, I'll Point and boo. It. Point and boo. for listening this week you guys can find us at me crisis pod on facebook twitter and insta oh people have asked me why that is our handle and you can blame literally anyone else who has any of the other good mec podcast handles because fuck them okay we tried everything so fuck them fuck them i tried i tried so hard you guys have no idea i tried so hard i do i know Every five minutes getting a text. I can't use this one. Should I try this? Yeah. I can't use that one either. Should I try this? Fifteen times. You have no idea, guys. No idea. (laughs) Uh, Tell a friend. Share it with your people who might be interested in true crime, mysteries, paranormal, science-y, whatever we do here. Tell your grandma. Tell your grandma's grandma. (laughs) Tell your grandma's fish. I really want your grandma to listen. <laughs> I think grandmas would be tickled by you, Haley. Thank you. I'm a charming young man. <laughs> you are, indeed. Indubitably. <laughs> Feel free. I'm a... <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye.